Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. This afternoon, the scripture is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verse 6 and 7. Reading from Exodus, chapter 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the son or the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. O oh Lord, you have given us your word for a light to shine upon our path. Grant us so to listen to that word and to follow its teaching, that we may find in it the light that shines more and more until the perfect day through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This text that I chose is not an easy or even appropriate text to preach on Father's Day. And yet it's something that we need to listen to what this Exodus passage has to say about the responsibility of parenting, and especially today about fathering. I will talk more about it in a moment. But for us as uh, fathers, or who have received uh, fathers' care and love, you can remember that in this country, our government continues to encourage active fatherhood. And this is a good movement. I think generally our society has shifted where men and women are equal in a marriage and both are just as important to contribute to the raising of the family, particularly our children. For example, in the recent newspaper cutting that I referenced to, is of one particular group of fathers called stay-home fathers. And the stay-home fathers are people who want to take a more active role at home. And yet, these fathers who want to take this active role also face stigma and sometimes embarrassment for the decision to do so. There were criticism, there were derisive comments from the family members, from the colleagues at work, from the friends and from the relatives. And basically what they were criticizing these stay-at-home fathers is that you're wasting your time, you're wasting your potential, or you are mooching off uh, your wives, who at the time were already breadwinners at home. And this is not always easy for fathers to take up this role, because traditionally the role of father was never to stay home, was always to be the breadwinner of the house. 
But now with this rising tide of female participation in the workforce, a stronger dual income families, this somehow impacts on the father's active involvement in child raising and child rearing. And this also includes not just the parents, but also the grandparents. Because if both of them are working, then of course the grandparents will be called in to help, especially with the childcare facilities. But despite all this criticism, derisive comments and challenges, I would still want to encourage fathers to be actively involved in the raising of their children. And for that, I want to share with you three features of active fatherhood. Firstly, active fatherhood is unique. Now, I say this because not that fathers, especially special group of people, is only something they can do and no one else. Certainly not. I want to say that fathers are similar and complementary to mothers. Now, we all know for a start, there are more similarities the differences between father and mother. You would have observed in church and also among your family members of how parents encourage exploration during play with their children, especially when the children were infants, learning to speak slowly, responding to cries and smiles, being sensitive, adjusting our behaviour accordingly to how our children respond to us. And all these are ways of parents nurturing with this general responsiveness, uh, stimulation, affection, love, and teaching. And so each parent, mother or father, support each other in areas that can help strengthen in the care of the family. Be that as it may, fathers are actually quite unique from mothers. There were research done that suggests that fathers are more likely to tease their children. Fathers are more likely than mothers to engage with their boys, in particular, in more rough and tumble play. And therefore, they form quite strong bonding with their fathers. And that actually helps to regulate boys, in particular, their aggression and their problem behaviour. And so when fathers and sons engage in this rough and tumble, it does actually help the children to regulate their own aggression and problem behaviour. And fathers, more than mothers, also tend to encourage their children to take risks and also encourage them to deal with scary experiences. And so in a sense, the uniqueness of the father continues on even as the child grows up. For example, it has been realised that parents, especially the mothers, tend to lose some level of sensitivity as their children grow up to become adolescents. But fathers tend not to lose that connection that quickly. And you have to find out for yourself if that is true indeed for your family. So we often notice that our children sometimes prefer to speak to father than to mother, depending on what they want to talk about. And so fathers, I know it's tough, 
but you're in it. And you're critical and you're unique for the growth of your family, particular your children's development and growth. And this humorous piece that I read from an online article about fathers in relation of the father to the different ages of their children. At four years old, the boy will say, my daddy can do anything. At seven years old, my dad knows a lot, a whole lot. At eight years old, my father doesn't quite know everything. At 12 years old, oh well, naturally father doesn't know everything. At 14, father, he's hopelessly old-fashioned. At 21, oh, that man is out of date. What do you expect? At 25, he knows a bit about it, but not much. At 30, must find out what dad thinks about it. At 35, we must be a little patient with dad. Let's get what he means first. At 50, what would dad have thought about it? At 60, my father knows literally everything. At age 65, I wish I could talk it over with dad once more. This is just a humorous way of showing the different stages of our children's growth. Fathers are integrally involved in the raising of their children. And it seems very likely that at different stages of our children, we need to engage with our children respectfully. Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. And when our children, yours and mine, do grow in the fear of the Lord, and it is a great pleasure to see our children fearing God, loving God, and serving Him. And it echoes very beautifully the words of Proverbs 23, verse 24, that the father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. So fathers, you are unique. Secondly, active fatherhood is not perfect. Now, while we know more and more about how fathering affects the development of our children, and as fathers, we complement and exercise similar role with our spouse, we are also deeply aware as fathers that we are not perfect. To help us appreciate that, we as disciples of God is to pay close attention to what Jesus says in Matthew 23 verse 9 where Jesus teaches his disciples that the only father he has is the one in heaven. And this is what he says. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Now, one way of understanding this verse is to say that as disciples of Jesus, 
we have the model of our Heavenly Father who demonstrated His love for us through the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. And our Lord lives an earthly life in relation to His Heavenly Father. So in Scriptures, particularly in the Gospels, you'll find how Jesus as a son relates to His own Father who is in heaven, a father and son relationship. And this is something we as fathers, earthly as we are, can take comfort from. And the character of God in Exodus 34 verse 6 described God as the one who is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Every one of us emotionally needs someone that we can trust, who is always available, who is always emotionally sensitive to our needs. In that sense, no one can bear that description except God Himself, who is the ultimate figure that we attach ourselves to. But as we are growing up, we are also attached to someone special. It could be a mother, it could be a father, it could also be your grandparents, depending who looked after you when you were young or who you were attached closely to. And sometimes children, when they are growing up, they were attached more to the domestic helper than they are to the parents or the grandparents. There's something for us to think seriously about in terms of parenting and fathering. But here, Jesus describes to his disciple, you only have one father, and that father is the heavenly father. And he exemplifies to us as his followers what it is like to be a father, as Jesus himself relates to his father as a son. And God, as we know in scriptures, cannot lie. God is always available to us. And through the things that he suffered here on earth, he is sensitive to our human emotions. God does not change. He provides to you and I an ultimate safe haven so that we together or even individually can feel safe from which to venture out into the world. And obviously, there's a, there's a very obvious gap, isn't it, between our Heavenly Father and our earthly father. You have your own fathers, so do I. And we're influenced by how our earthly father has taught us than we are by our heavenly father. And in order to narrow the gap between the two, we as earthly fathers need to reflect on the way we father our children. And we need to consider more seriously and deeply how much of how we demonstrate actually display the character of God in Exodus 34. One area I would suggest to you is to ask yourself, how secure do your children feel about you as their fathers? Because as fathers, we are very significant figures to them in their life because you're the only one they ever knew as their father. There's no one else that they could look to except to you as their father, biological father. 
So as fathers, we deliver love, security and care. We go through them with their life challenges. And there's this bonding that happens between father and child. And for our children to be successful, as fathers, we need to be that secure base for your children to come back to you when troubles come knocking out their door. Who do your child go to when they are in trouble? Friends or to you as their father? This is depending on how secure you are as a father to your child. If your child found no security in you as their father, they found that you cannot be trusted, you're someone they cannot bear, they cannot bear their souls to you, then most likely they're not, they will go elsewhere to seek advice. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's through the social media. But if our children can use us as father as a secure base, that we can be trusted, that we are their confidant, then as fathers, we have surely created and will be able to maintain a stable and secure relationship with our children, just like we can have with our Heavenly Father, a God that doesn't change, that doesn't shift, that are always faithful, always loyal, always compassionate, always kind, always forgiving. I think we need to engage our children in a way that encourages a sense of safety and security. And as fathers, we know we are not perfect. And yet the sense that we are being fathered by our own father, we are using more or less the same set of assumptions to father our children. And that in itself, our children will use us as example or blueprint to father their own children. So you can imagine what Exodus means when they say all these things can pass on from generation to generation. Sometimes I'm not too happy when they say, hey, your son looks like you. Uh, I, I normally don't want to ask them, what do you mean? Usually they mean, well, your son is very tall. Okay, then I take some comfort in that. But if they say anything else about my character, then that will be quite problematic and certainly very challenging. And I think as, as parents, once we are able to have the secure relationship with our children, that parental bonding with our children, it actually helps us. For example, there's a study recently that was done just this year about how children respond to criticism in school or outside of school or outside of home. And they found that the way the father functions at home impacts the way the children handle criticism outside home. For example, if the father issues parental care of warmth, understanding and love to their children, then their children have less tendency to perceive criticism as a personal attack or, or destruction or destructive approach. They'll take it with a pinch of salt and not take everything that seriously. On the other hand, if the father is overprotective, harsh, they're more likely than not 
the children that are raised from that type of family has a significant higher tendency to perceive criticism as destructive. And that can lead to all kinds of challenges, depression, anxiety, and so on and so forth. So these two examples are important for us as fathers because how we practice love and security at home actually propels the development stages of our children, both emotionally and socially. But of course, that's not the end of the story, because as parents and as particularly as fathers, we continue to engage our children, and it always contains opportunity for us to self-correct, to make amends, and even apologize if it's necessary. So it's always a work in progress, and in this way, we continue to adjust, to adapt to our children through self-reflection and self-correction. For example, you may not want to use the method your father raised you to raise your own children. You need to intervene. You need to break that cycle. Otherwise, the feeding mechanism will carry on from this generation and then to my children, and then to my children's children. My father has a way of dealing with anger, and that's how I've been taught, how I've been raised, and how I practice, and how I behave. And I'll behave the same way as my father taught me to my children, and my children will see me doing that. They will do the same. And as Christians, we are valued by God, we are taught by God's Word. So that is a radical departure from the way the world teaches fathering from the way the Word of God teaches fathering. And once we are aware of something not being right, we need to be courageous and bold enough to break that cycle and shift to something that's redemptive, that's helpful for yourself and also for your children. And so I pray that as we think about how we are going to father our children from now on, we think ourselves as Christian fathers, the gospel being at the very heart of all that we do, the gospel that shapes the way we father our children, particularly through religious education. There was a book done just this year about how our Singapore fathers and grandfathers perceive the way they raise their children. Interestingly, they mentioned just three things out of the many things they mentioned, three were quite dominant in this survey that was just done just this year. Firstly, is respect. Children want respect. And as parents, we need to learn to respect them. This is not easy in a very Confucius culture that we are all in. Secondly, the whole idea of filial piety. It's also another very dominant value among Singapore fathers and grandfathers in particular. And thirdly, interestingly, the third one is quite interesting, is religious education. And that's how Singapore fathers and grandfathers perceive the raising of children. And it's in church, of course, we have our Christian education. We can teach, we can train, we can educate our fathers in particular how to be better fathers, how to be good fathers. 
Finally, and very briefly, thirdly, active fatherhood is and can be forgiven. Father's Day today may be a sad day for some of us because we don't have a good father. Or some of us are know of stories of people having stepfathers. And it's a very bad experience we have with our fathers. We have no good example of any fathers. And yet the psalmist in Psalm 79 verse 8 cries out to God that God does not hold against us the sins of past generations, but that His mercy come quickly to meet us. So the psalmist is aware that things that he is right now is what the past has formed him to be what he is today. What you are right now is accumulation of what you were many, many years ago. And there are certain things you cannot help it because you are functionally made that way or raised that way. So therefore, as Christians, once we become aware of certain failings and weaknesses in our life, we as Christians can plead similarly, like the psalmist pleaded with God, that we be forgiven, that we are truly repentant, and God promises that He forgives all who truly repent and who have mercy upon us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins. So as Christians, all of us live in God's mercy and grace. We are truly forgiven, exalted from all our sins. Can all the consequences of sins be prevented? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. That's why God says some of this guilt can go unpunished, but some things someone would pay for it somewhere down the road. I do not know. You do not know. But consequences of sin is something that remain largely unknown into the future. But one thing that's powerfully reminded to us in this Exodus passage, that of God's mercy and His grace. So as Christians, we always live in the grace and mercy of God. Now, other basis. And therefore, as Christians, we need to learn to humble ourselves, to recognize that God holds our present and our future. And we pray that God will be merciful to you and to me, especially parents or fathers in particular who made some very serious mistakes in life, impacted the family so much, traumatized the family so much that nothing that we do for the rest of our life can, can ever redeem it. And there are no families who are in such a bad situation. And yet, because they are Christians, I work with them slowly through this whole process of mercy and grace that we depend on God for now and for all eternity. John Mark, an author, gives some good advice as I close for fathers who take responsibility for their failings seriously. He suggests three things. Firstly, we can't change the past as fathers, but we can ask forgiveness for the past and move on. Secondly, 
Fathers don't have to carry destructive guilt about the past because that will destroy you and I. It's better for us to know the difference between good guilt and bad guilt. Good guilt brings us to our knees before God to ask Him for mercy, grace and strength. Bad guilt condemns us. Romans says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And finally, the third thing it suggests, fathers can do what we can do, which is to heal the relationship that we have damaged at the present time. So in conclusion, we have seen our fathers playing a very crucial role in the way they raise us and how that also influenced the way we raise our children. And that has been transmitted from a previous generation, this generation, next generation, and even the generation after that. For lesser or greater good, that influence continues into a few generations downstream. But still, the role of the father is unique and one that we should take seriously and responsibly. And as imperfect fathers, we will make mistakes, but we can make amends for them. And as forgiven fathers, we can continue to grow in our capacity to build for our children a safe haven, a trustworthy confidant for our children to run back to. Amen. May I now invite, if you are here, dads, grandfathers, dads-to-be, to stand with me. And I would like to pray for us. Wife, uh, you don't have to stand on the behalf of your husband. You can just nudge them to stand up. And we'll just say a prayer for all of us as fathers. Let us pray. Lord, bless us as fathers. Some of us delight in our fathering. For others, it is hard, perhaps very hard, because they are wounded. Hear our confession of sin, of failure, of ignorance. Help us, all of us, to forgive our own fathers for their faults and failings. But Lord, we are not responsible for them, but for ourselves. Help us as fathers to love our children's mother. May we as fathers be good priests at our homes, leading our children to a living faith in the living God. And when the great day comes, and we as Father stand before you, our King and our Judge, may we hear you say, Well done, good and faithful Father. Your children have delighted in you, and you are eternally blessed. Welcome home. In the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>